Today's podcast was recorded yesterday. If you want to listen to my podcasts commercial-free the day that I record them, go to shiftradio.com premium. It only costs $5 a month. I'm recording today's podcast specifically to address more false allegations made by the Australian media against my bank. Last time, it was Channel 9's 60 Minutes that made the allegations, This time, it's the Australian Broadcast Company's Four Corners program. ABC is a publicly funded broadcast company in Australia, kind of like PBS here in America. So clearly, you would expect them to be very left of center, given that it is a government-owned broadcasting company. And clearly, based on the broadcast, they had an agenda and they distorted the facts to fit into their agenda, which is very much the same strategy that 60 Minutes used. The big difference between the allegations that were made by Four Corners and those that were made over a year ago, and which are the basis of a defamation lawsuit, is that ABC's program didn't mention my name at all. They didn't use my photograph. They did talk about Euro-Pacific Bank and that it was located in Puerto Rico, And they rehashed many of the same false allegations that were the basis of my defamation lawsuit against nine and the reporters involved in that broadcast. And I think the reason they specifically left my name out is they don't want to be sued. There was another bank in Cyprus that they used to try to discredit the Perth Mint with because they claimed that this was also a bad bank. And in that case, they went over the owner of the bank and all the ways that he was supposedly a bad guy, and they wanted to somehow impugn the integrity of the Pert Mint because they were dealing with this bad bank owned by this bad guy. They did the same thing with my bank. They tried to say that the Perth Mint was bad because it did business with this bad bank, but they didn't name me because I think they were worried that I was going to sue them. Now, I still have a defamation lawsuit, according to my lawyers, even though they didn't name me By making all these false accusations against my bank, many people in Australia know that I own this bank because they saw the 60 Minutes broadcast. So you really can't talk about all the bad things that Europe Pacific Bank was doing and people not realize that I'm the owner of the bank. After all, the 60 Minutes broadcast clearly said that it's my bank, I run the bank, I'm the face of the bank, I'm at the center of it all, that my name was the name that kept coming up, that it was me, that I specifically set up my bank to help tax evaders and money launderers. That was the purpose of my bank. That's the reason I moved it to Puerto Rico. And so by making these allegations against the bank, they have in effect defamed me. And I can sue them. And if I do sue them, I probably will win. The only question is, is it worth it? Because I already have a lawsuit against 60 Minutes. I will eventually win. It's just taking a long time because my adversaries are doing everything they can to drag it out. They have no case. What they should be doing is apologizing for everything that they did, but instead they're just digging in their heels. And by now they must realize that everything they said was wrong. Maybe they legitimately believed some of these allegations when they first made them, but they can't possibly believe them now. But I think their conduct has been even worse since I sued them than before 
But the problem with suing ABC and for the four corners is, yes, I could win, but what are my damages? Because I don't know that there's any additional financial damage associated with a rehash of false allegations that have already been made. The damage has already been done. I lost tens of millions of dollars personally as a result of the defamation from 60 Minutes. The lawsuit will give me the ability potentially to recover that money. But I don't know that there's any additional damages. Maybe there's some minimal amount, but it would not be worth the time or the money to pursue them. Now, maybe I will. I don't know. I have a year to sue them. That's the statute of limitations. So maybe I'll see what happens if I win my lawsuit against 60 Minutes by then and collect the judgment and I'm no longer paying all those legal bills. Maybe I'll be willing to pay more legal fees to file a brand new lawsuit. And once I win and get a huge judgment against 60 Minutes, maybe Four Corners will see that example and fold and just issue a retraction. But I'm probably going to have my lawyers send them a letter and ask them to do that now and preserve the right to sue if they don't, because I'm going to point out each and everything that they accuse the bank of doing and why it's false and challenge them that they need to produce some evidence that what they've alleged is true. And if they have no evidence to suggest that these allegations are true, they need to be withdrawn. And by the way, one of the criticisms they had about that Cyprus bank is that it accepted the accounts of politically exposed people, HEPs. And so they said that that meant that the Perth Mint could possibly have been holding on the gold that belongs to corrupt politicians or other sanctioned individuals. What they didn't point out was that Euro-Pacific Bank, as a matter of policy, refused to accept any accounts for politically exposed people. So if one of those individuals applied for an account at the bank, it was rejected. So with respect to my bank, there was zero chance that the Perth Mint was even indirectly doing business with politically exposed people. The purpose of today's podcast is I want to go over the false allegations that were made, not only about me, but also about the Perth Mint, because the Perth Mint was really the target of this broadcast. They just brought me in to try to use me to discredit the Perth Mint, because if I'm a bad guy or my bank is bad and the Perth Mint is doing business with my bank, well, then they're bad. The problem is my bank is not bad. There is no evidence to suggest that my bank did anything wrong. I don't care that the media has accused my bank of doing something wrong. And it doesn't matter that governments have investigated my bank because at one time they believed we did something wrong. The bottom line is the investigation is over and they know we did nothing wrong. All the parties know that we've done nothing wrong, yet nobody wants to admit that. In fact, the very first thing that ABC did wrong when they introduced my bank into this broadcast is they deliberately misled the audience by saying that my bank is currently under investigation for suspicions of facilitating tax evasion and money laundering. That is not true. That investigation ended over a year ago. Yes, at one time, the bank was under investigation because there was some suspicion that we were doing this. But the investigation itself proved that we were not, that those suspicions turned out not to have been justified because we didn't actually do anything wrong. That's why nobody at the bank was indicted for anything. It was a criminal investigation. The purpose of the investigation was to see if anybody committed crimes. Money laundering and tax evasion are crimes. 
They are punishable by jail. And the fact of the matter is not a single person associated with the bank, not an employee, not an officer, not a director, not a shareholder, nobody was charged with anything. The investigation has long since ended. Now, the problem with these government investigations is they don't give you a clean bill of health at the end of the investigation. They don't say the investigation is over. Congratulations. We found nothing. They simply go away. In fact, the lawyer that the bank hired a couple of years ago when the investigation first started, two, three years ago, whenever it was, I asked the lawyer at that time, are they going to tell us when the investigation is over? And they said, no, that's not how they operate. But what he told me is, you'll know it's over when they get to the interview phase, because the last thing they do is interview some of the people that work at the bank to connect any dots or tie up any loose ends. So the interviews were supposed to be the conclusion of the process. And that happened. That was a year and a half ago or something like that. I forget the exact dates, but they interviewed, I think, three people at the bank. They worked in the compliance department. That was it. It's interesting that one person they didn't ask to interview was me. They never questioned me about the bank and probably because they realized after a two-year investigation that I had absolutely nothing to do with the bank. I didn't work at the bank. I didn't get involved in the day-to-day operations. And so there was no point in even asking me any questions. That's how innocent I am. Now, of course, 60 Minutes accused me of masterminding the whole crime, being the face of the bank, the person who had deliberately set up the bank to help criminals launder money and evade taxes. Yet they didn't even have any questions for me. And that's because there was no evidence at all that I did anything wrong. So why bother to interview me? Ever since those interviews, we haven't heard anything from the government. There haven't been any more requests for documents. Pretty much what my lawyer said, it's over. In fact, the grand jury that was convened to investigate my bank out in Sacramento has been disbanded. The prosecutor who was leading the efforts to get some indictments, he doesn't even work for the IRS anymore, the government. He now has a job as an in-house counsel at Coinbase. So the whole thing is over. So instead of reporting the truth that my bank was suspected of laundering money and evading taxes, but those suspicions turned out to have been invalid because the investigation didn't turn up any evidence that the bank facilitated either, they left their audience with the false impression that this investigation is ongoing. So they think that maybe there's going to be charges eventually, that they're going to find the evidence that they're looking for. They didn't want to admit that no evidence was found. So right off the bat, I knew, okay, this is not going to be accurate because they're already misinforming their audience about the status of the investigation. Now, They also talked about the fact that several of the bank's customers or lots of the bank's customers, I don't know, are also the subject of investigation, which apparently is true. I know the UK government claims that they're investigating five or 600 clients in the UK that had accounts with the bank. By the way, we only had about 100 Australian clients at my bank. That's it. And I think their average account size was about $30,000 total. That would include whatever money they had in gold, but the vast majority of it was not in gold. So this is nothing. This is insignificant. They made a mountain out of a molehill when they talked about how my bank was this huge threat to Australia. It wasn't a threat to anything. But yes, apparently there are some investigations of the bank's customers. I don't know for a fact because I haven't been able to validate that. There were a couple of people 
that were apparently arrested and let go, but they were charged with tax evasion and money laundering in the UK. And the articles claim that they got these guys in connection with the investigation of customers of my bank. Now, it didn't say that they were customers of my bank, and I have no way of verifying whether or not they were because they didn't give out their names. Now, they did say that they live in Liverpool, so I did check the records, and we had 11 customers that lived in Liverpool. Six of the accounts had been closed, and five were still active. Now, maybe it's one of those accounts. If anything, if it turns out that they did have an account, it's more likely one of the accounts that we closed if, in fact, they were doing money laundering or tax evasion because my bank had such strict KYC and AML procedures that if we actually had customers that were using their account for some kind of nefarious purpose, chances are we found out very quickly and put a stop to it. And so maybe the accounts that are being investigated are the ones that we closed for red flags. But again, I have no idea. But all that is irrelevant to the bank. Because the reason they're now investigating the customers is because they found nothing on the bank. But if the bank in no way helped its customers launder money or evade taxes, then chances are they weren't doing it because they didn't get any help from the bank. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Now, they also made a big deal about the fact that Puerto Rican regulators shut the bank down, but at least they were honest about the reason, which was a lack of capital. But it is not a coincidence that my bank was falsely accused of helping criminals launder money and evade taxes, and that as a result of those false allegations, the bank ended up losing so much money that it had inadequate capital and then got shut down by regulators for that reason. It wasn't shut down because it was helping its customers launder money or evade taxes. It ended up getting shut down because those false allegations that it was doing that caused it to lose so much money. That's why these investigations are supposed to be kept secret, so not to unfairly taint people that end up being innocent. You see, the government believed my bank was doing something wrong. After they investigated the bank, they found that it wasn't doing anything wrong. But because the IRS leaked the investigation to 60 Minutes, and then 60 Minutes prematurely declared me guilty before I was even charged, I ended up losing the entire bank. The bank collapsed. I lose tens of millions of dollars. All the depositors, by the way, it's now been eight months since the bank was put into receivership for no reason, and no one has had access to their money. So there's so much collateral damage here as a result of this. But had the investigation remained quiet like it should have, had the government not illegally leaked the fact that I was being investigated to these reporters, the investigation would have ended. Nobody would have known the bank was ever investigated, and so nothing bad would have happened. The bank wouldn't have lost all this money. None of its counterparties would have ever known that the bank was suspected of anything because the bank was completely innocent. And so all that would have happened is we would have had to been inconvenienced by the cost and the hassle of complying with the investigation, 
which the bank did in good faith. We were complying with that investigation for about eight months before 60 Minutes came out and spilled the beans about the investigation. And in fact, I didn't even know at the time that 60 Minutes spilled the beans, I didn't even know that the bank was the target of the investigation because the IRS lied to us. They told us they were investigating our customers. They never once told us that the bank was a subject of that investigation. We were just there as a custodian of records. Now, as it turned out, the government lied to us. They told the truth to 60 Minutes that they were investigating us. But then 60 Minutes lied and claimed that I was guilty, even though they had no evidence and I hadn't even been charged. But now that they realize that I'm completely innocent, instead of acknowledging their mistake and apologizing, they are continuing to dig in their heels, run up my legal bills, and delaying my ability to correct the record and clear my name. Another false allegation that Four Corners made about the bank is they said that the bank was moved to Puerto Rico because it would be easier for the bank to hide the identity of its customers from their home country's governments and therefore make it easier for them to evade their taxes or launder money. That is not true. That is the same false allegation that 60 Minutes made And in my current defamation lawsuit, they have not been able to produce one shred of evidence to support the accusation that that was the motivation for the move of the bank. Now, it wasn't the motivation for the move of the bank. I told the 60-minute reporters during the initial interview, which is one of the reasons I really want to get that footage, they have refused to release the uncut footage of my interview that took place in the foyer of my Connecticut home. But Nick McKenzie asked me if I moved my bank to Puerto Rico for this particular reason, and I didn't even know what he was talking about. I asked him to explain that because I wasn't even familiar with the rule that he said that we were trying to avoid, and that was why I moved the bank. I said, well, that can't possibly be why I moved it because I didn't even know about it. But I explained that the reason I moved the bank to Puerto Rico in 2017 was because I moved to Puerto Rico in 2017, and by running a bank in Puerto Rico, the income from the bank to me is taxed at 4%. And if I left it in St. Vincent's, it would have been taxed at ordinary U.S. income tax rates. I'd rather pay 4% than 30 some odd percent. But also there were other reasons to make the move because we were told that Puerto Rico is a much better jurisdiction to operate a bank. In fact, I got an account at the Federal Reserve, which was extremely valuable. I never could have got that account at the Federal Reserve if I stayed in St. Vincent's. It was only by moving to Puerto Rico a better jurisdiction that I was able to get that account. Also, I got a deal with American Express to be a global issuer of their cards. They never would have given me that deal if the bank was still in St. Vincent's. Now, once 60 Minutes accused the bank of laundering money and evading taxes, American Express rescinded their offer. They said that we can no longer be associated with you based on these accusations. That's just another way that the defamation caused me to lose so much money But also the ultimate irony on the suggestion that I moved the bank to Puerto Rico to help my customers hide their money was that St. Vincent's actually had bank secrecy. Puerto Rico has no bank secrecy. So I gave up all the bank secrecy to move to Puerto Rico. So clearly secret bank accounts was not important to my business model or I wouldn't have given it up. It didn't even matter. We weren't marketing the bank as being private or secret. We were marketing it based on the services that it provided. In fact, another false allegation that was made during this broadcast was that my bank had branded itself to be a solution 
to tax problems. This was totally made up. Again, 60 Minutes made up something similar, but it's not true. If you go to my bank's website, there's nothing on there about solutions to tax problems. There was nothing in any of our marketing material about the bank helping you solve your tax problems. In fact, the only time taxes were mentioned is when people opened up accounts at our bank. We made them sign off that they were in full compliance with their local tax laws and that they weren't using this bank account to evade tax obligations and that they were current on their taxes. That's it. So we actually got our customers to certify before we would do business with them that they weren't going to use the bank to avoid taxes. And based on all of our KYC and AML, we made damn sure that those were honest statements. Because if we saw any evidence that anybody was using their account to try to evade taxes, we immediately shut down their account so that they couldn't do it. Four Corners even accused my bank of helping Americans evade their taxes, which is another lie because the bank didn't even accept American citizens or residents as customers. We didn't have any American customers. So if we didn't have any American customers, how could we possibly have helped Americans evade their taxes? We didn't. But clearly, they didn't do enough investigation into the bank before they made these unsubstantiated and completely false allegations. They even invited this professor on who claimed as if it was a matter of fact that hundreds, more likely thousands of Euro-Pacific Bank customers were illegally evading taxes through my bank. Thousands of customers. That would mean 2,000 or more. I think we only have about 6,000 customers in total at this point. So one third of the bank's customers are illegally evading their taxes. What proof does she have that that is true? Does she have any proof that even one person used my bank to evade taxes? No. You would think that if a third of the bank's customers were illegally evading taxes, the investigation would have found that out by now. There was two-year investigation. Six governments investigated my bank, yet found no evidence. If it was replete with that much tax evasion, a third of the customer base illegally evading their taxes, there would have been some evidence found, but no evidence was found because it wasn't happening. It was just made up. Now, maybe Four Corners can say, we didn't say that. This professor said that. Yeah, but you gave the professor the microphone to say it, and you gave her a lot of credibility. You didn't push back. You didn't ask her, really? What evidence do you have? I don't think she's ever even looked into my bank. She can't possibly have any evidence. She's just making these false allegations. I could probably sue her too. Problem is she probably doesn't have that much money. It would be a waste of time. Then they also dug up one of the same guys that was on the 60 Minutes broadcast making false allegations about my bank. In particular, again, the reason why it was relocated to Puerto Rico. But he also doesn't have any real understanding of the bank's relationship with Perth Mint or the goal that was held on behalf of the bank at the Perth Mint, because they keep saying it was the customer's goal. It wasn't the customer's goal. It was the bank's goal. The customers did not own the gold at Perth. That gold belonged to the bank. Euro-Pacific Bank customers wanted exposure to gold, and we gave them the ability to hold their bank deposits in gold. They could also hold them in dollars. We had dollars in euros and Swiss francs in British pounds. You could hold your deposits in various currencies, or you can hold them in gold. The bank then chose to cover that exposure using the Perth Mint. 
but the customers had no direct access to that Perth Mint Gold. They couldn't take delivery of it. They couldn't transfer it to third parties. All they could do is buy or sell gold, and the bank offset that liability by buying or selling gold and silver at the Perth Mint. That's it. They made a big deal about the fact that the bank did this through an omnibus account. Well, that's the only way the bank could do it. That, In fact, that's the way the bank did everything. When Euro-Pacific Bank customers owned euros, for example, in their account, and the bank then had its own account with a corresponding bank that was holding those euros, that correspondent bank doesn't know the name of the beneficial owner because that bank is an account on behalf of my bank. My bank knows who the beneficial owner is. We do all the KYC and AML. It's the same thing with broker-dealers. I used to own a broker-dealer. I sold it, Europe Pacific Capital. But when customers of the broker-dealer bought stocks in their brokerage account, it was an omnibus account. They're holding the securities in street name. If you go to your brokerage account and you buy shares of IBM, IBM doesn't know who you are. They have no clue that you own the stock. They just know the brokerage firm that owns the stock. They send the annual reports to the brokerage firm because they have no idea who you are. The brokerage firm knows who you are, and then they send you the annual reports. The same thing with the dividends. The dividends get sent to the broker-dealer, and now the broker-dealer looks on its books and figures who's entitled to the stock and then sends the dividends. Does that mean that these broker-dealers are deliberately trying to help their customers evade taxes or launder money because they're not informing IBM that they own the stock? Of course not. They're just operating as a broker-dealer. We were operating as a bank. We did the same thing that all the other banks are doing, and those banks are no more guilty of helping people launder money or evade taxes than the Perth Mint. The Perth Mint did nothing wrong. We did nothing wrong. And it's not like the Australian government didn't have access to the bank's customers. If they had some suspicions that any customers were using their account to evade Australian taxes or to launder money, they could have come to the bank and gotten that information. Puerto Rico didn't have any bank secrecy. We would have provided that information if they were legally entitled to have it. None of the accounts at Europe Pacific Bank were numbered. Every account had a name. We knew all of their identities. And if they were subject of an investigation, the government of Australia, even the Perth Mint, could have asked the bank about the identity of some of the clients. But again, the gold wasn't even owned by the clients because they had no title to it. They had no ability to do anything with it. We just covered our exposure using Perth, and we had the right to change custodians from Perth to any that we chose. The client had no say in the matter. In fact, Four Corners said that money launderers and tax evaders were targeting the Perth Mint to evade taxes and launder money through my bank. No, they were not. If you had an account at my bank and you decided that you wanted to keep some of your deposit in gold as opposed to euros or British pounds, that didn't change anything about the nature of your account. It didn't make it any easier for you to evade taxes or launder money just because you kept some of your bank account in gold instead of a currency. It was exactly the same. What Four Corners is trying to do is to take something that has absolutely nothing to do with money laundering or tax evasion and falsely equate it with doing that. And they're looking at the fact that, yes, Every time the bank did a transaction that involved gold, that we didn't inform the Perth Mint of the identity of the customer. Well, the same thing was true when they did an FX transaction. If someone exchanged euros for British pounds, we didn't provide the corresponding banks with the identities of those customers either. We just did the FX. 
We weren't trying to hide anything. We were just acting as a bank. Similarly, the bank owned a broker dealer. When customers sold one stock and bought another, we didn't inform those corporations of the identity of our customers either. In fact, they talked about some specific large transaction that they attributed to a bunch of organized criminals that was made through our Omnibus account. And they said on the broadcast, 17 million in a news article I read, they said 25 million. I know for a fact that we never had a transaction anywhere near that size with respect to the Perth Mint. Our clients were not that large. We had relatively small customers. Yes, at one point, we did have maybe 30 million or so in gold on deposit at the Perth Mint, but it took years to accumulate that much gold, maybe eight to 10 years of small purchases. That's how long it took us. So we never had this gigantic transaction that they were referencing. And again, the purpose of that account was not to disguise the identity of anybody. The purpose was simply to allow the bank to offer gold and silver to customers through their bank account. We didn't do anything different with Perth than we did with any other correspondent bank that was holding currency. But the problem is the reporters at Four Corners have an ax to grind because they don't like gold. It's clear. They think the only reason that somebody would buy gold is to use it to launder money or evade taxes. They don't realize that the only tax people buying gold are trying to avoid legally is inflation. But these guys don't understand that. They don't think anything government does is bad because they're owned by the government. They love the government. They hate the free market. And gold is money of the market. They don't like that. They don't like the people's money. They like government's money. So they're naturally suspicious of anything that has to do with gold. And so that tainted the entire broadcast. But the truthfulness and the credibility of the broadcast was also tainted by the way they put forth sheer speculation as if it were actual fact. For example, with respect to my motivation for moving the bank to Puerto Rico, they offer as fact that I was motivated by a desire to make it easier for my clients to evade taxes and launder money. Apart from the fact that the move actually made it more difficult, how do they know my motivation? Especially when there are multiple alternative legitimate reasons why I could have moved my bank to Puerto Rico. Now, with respect to 60 Minutes, I actually told them those legitimate reasons. Since nobody from Four Corners interviewed me or asked me why I moved the bank to Puerto Rico, they had no idea. They simply guessed that the reason I did it was nefarious, but they have no actual proof that that is the case. Now, what they could have said, if they had even a modicum of integrity, which they clearly don't, was that one possible reason that the bank may have been moved to Puerto Rico was potentially to make it easier for its customers to hide their identities from their home countries, but we don't know for sure because there are several other legitimate reasons that may have been the motivation for the move. We just have no idea. So we're just going to speculate that this may have been a reason, but we don't know. See, that would have at least been honest, but they didn't want to be honest. They wanted to state as if they had actual evidence that that was the case. Actual evidence would be something like an intercompany email where we discussed moving the bank to Puerto Rico, specifically to make it easier for our criminal clients to launder their money and evade taxes and to make the bank more appealing 
for other criminals with whom we were hoping to do business. The same thing applies to the omnibus account. They accused the bank of using that account for the specific purpose of hiding the identities of our clients from the Perth Mint. They have no idea if that is the reason the bank was using an omnibus account, especially when there are several other legitimate purposes for such an account. But they didn't frame it that way. They reported this as if it was a fact, that they had evidence backing it up, and they have no evidence because it's not true. Moving from the false allegations that they made about me, I want to talk about one of the main allegations that they made against the Perth Mint itself. A huge part of the story was the fact that they had uncovered this footage of a former Hells Angels leader buying $27,000 worth of gold at the Perth Mint gift shop. And apparently all they did is ask for his driver's license to check his ID. They didn't run a huge background check on this guy. They just allowed this ex-con to buy $27,000 worth of gold. And supposedly this was a huge violation of law. This was a terrible thing that they did letting this guy buy gold. Now, first of all, he's buying gold. Big deal. He's not buying a firearm. Of course, I believe that people have a right to own firearms, but not in Australia. They have very strict gun control over there, but apparently gun control is not enough. They want gold control too. They don't want to just disarm Australians. They want to leave them defenseless when it comes to inflation as well. If you've been convicted of a crime, that doesn't mean you no longer have a right to own gold. Who cares? Yes, the guy paid his debt to society. He committed a crime. He's a free man. He's got a right to own gold. Are you going to be upset if a supermarket sells an ex-con food? I mean, after all, you can't commit crimes on an empty stomach. Think about it. You feed a criminal, and now he goes out and commits crimes. If he starved to death, he couldn't commit those crimes. So maybe ex-cons shouldn't be allowed to buy food, because that makes as much sense as saying they can't buy gold. Now, apparently what they said was they need to make sure that the money he's using to buy gold that wasn't the proceeds of crime. Now, they made it a point to say that they have no evidence that this money was the proceeds of crime. They're just upset that the Perth Mint didn't look into the origin of the money before they sold him the gold. But according to the facts that they disclosed, when this individual originally walked into the Perth Mint gift shop to buy that gold, he had cash. And the Perth Mint refused to sell him the gold for cash. They said, we don't take cash. Why? Because maybe it's a risk that there's the proceeds of crime. So he left the Perth Mint and he went to a bank. He brought all that cash into a bank and bought a cashier's check. Then he brought the cashier's check to the Perth Mint along with his driver's license and he was able to buy the gold. Now, I would say that the Perth Mint gift shop had a right to assume that the bank that took that cash and sold him a cashier's check did all their due diligence at that time because they are required. They're the ones that accepted the cash, not the Perth Mint. The Perth Mint took a bank check. Why didn't Four Corners do an investigation of the bank that sold this former Hells Angels guy that cashier's check? What due diligence did they do before they took in all this cash? I think that bank is more culpable than the Perth Mint. But the most ridiculous part about it all, they claimed that this guy could have been buying gold to launder money or evade taxes. But the guy had cash. If the guy was really buying that gold because he wanted to keep everything hidden, he wanted to transact secretly to evade taxes or launder money, he would have kept the cash. He had $27,000 in cash. That is much better 
if you are a money launderer or a tax evader, then gold, the same professor that said I had thousands of customers illegally evading taxes, talked about how gold was a money launderer's dream, how it's so great for money launderers and tax evaders because you can't trace it, because you can melt it down. How many criminals have a smelter at home to melt down gold? It is so much easier to evade taxes and launder money when you got cash because this guy bought one huge bar of gold. How liquid is that? What's he going to buy with that? He had cash in a briefcase, or I don't know how he was carrying it, but he had bills. That's what you want if you want to access the underground economy, if you want to transact. All this guy wanted to do was store his wealth. He wanted protection against inflation. That's all the customers of my bank wanted. When they were converting part of their bank deposits into gold, they were doing it as a store of value, as an inflation hedge. It in no way made it easier for them to evade taxes and launder money. My bank made it very difficult to do either because of our strict and robust KYC and AML program. That's exactly what all the regulators found who audited the bank. But the customers didn't gain any advantage as a result of their gold ownership. It was simply a hedge against inflation. The only tax they were avoiding was the inflation tax. And that's not illegal. Everybody has a right to try to avoid the inflation tax by buying gold. But Four Corners is trying to equate the desire to own gold and protect yourself from inflation with the sinister desire to want to illegally evade taxes and launder money. And finally, Four Corners completely overstated the significance of this supposed controversy of the Perth Mint selling bars of gold to China that were less than 100% pure gold because they had been laced with tiny bits of silver. Yet despite the silver being in the bars, the bars were still 99.99% pure gold, which is in fact the standard. Now, apparently the Shanghai Exchange has a slightly higher standard and China had pointed out to the Mint that it found two bars that did not meet its standard and they sent the bars back to the Perth Mint. The Perth Mint examined them and I think they found that one of them didn't meet the standard, that the bar was still 99.99% pure, which met the industry standard, but not the Shanghai standard. No big deal to melt that bar down and then cast a new one that would meet the standard. But considering how many gold bars the Perth Mint sold to China, because Four Corners mentioned that China is by far the Perth Mint's largest customer, and China continues to do business with the Perth Mint, despite the fact that it found a couple of bars that didn't meet its very high standards. This is no big deal. Talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. There is nothing here. They are trying to invent controversy where it doesn't exist. They just have it out for the Perth Mint, and they are trying to pretend that the Perth Mint is doing all of this bad stuff, including doing business with Europe Pacific Bank, but there is nothing wrong with doing business with Europe Pacific Bank because Europe Pacific Bank did nothing wrong. It doesn't matter that at one point, several governments suspected that the bank was doing something wrong because those very governments investigated the bank and they found out that they were wrong to have been suspicious of the bank because the investigation itself completely exonerated the bank. So just like they have to pretend that the Perth Mint did so many things wrong, they have to pretend that my bank 
did a bunch of things wrong so they can pretend that the Perth Mint is guilty by association. But the real fraud that's being committed here is not by the Perth Mint. It's not by my bank. It's by the reporters at ABC's Four Corners. The bottom line is the entire broadcast was a complete fraud. The reporters who helped develop this story are a bunch of liars and hypocrites because they have accused the Perth Mint and me through my bank of being dishonest when they are the ones who have been dishonest because they have put forth a work of sheer fiction as if it represents the honest result of investigative journalism. It does not. It is just another example of fake news. The real threat to Australia is not the Perth Mint. It's not me or my bank. It's a corrupt media that deliberately distorts the truth and lies to the Australian people in order to advance a political agenda that is detrimental to the living standards and freedoms of every Australian.